Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Community of Hope, and welcome to my home. My name is Eric, and I work in our student ministry here at Community of Hope. And this is primarily where I've been working from the past four months. Uh, Not just me, but my wife as well, as we've been juggling our one-year-old son. And honestly, we all do the best we can as we're rolling with the punches in this season. Uh, I found it very helpful to work from the back porch, uh, to be in a different space, to be outside. It was really great. Uh, It makes you stinky, apparently, but that's okay. We're we're all kind of getting through it. And we think that most of us, at least to some degree, have had more time at home than we did before. Um, Now, what do you do with that? Uh, You have to be able to adjust life, adjust yourself, and to be open to to change, open to to growing as, as people and growing together. And that's really what this series is all about, is what do we do now? Uh, Pastor Dale uh, did a great job at kicking this series off the past two weeks as he defined family for us. He said, listen, this is not just a biological deal, okay? These are the people that you're living life with the most. These are your people. And he said, family should be a place where a few things happen. And he named these for us. He said, family should be uh, where your credibility is established. It should be where your faith is formed. It should be a refuge for life's storms. And and lastly, but really importantly, it should be where life gets to start over again. You may look at this list and say, Eric, that, that looks really great. That sounds great. But that's not my deal. That's not my situation. That's not my family. Understand that. Understand that. But, but it doesn't mean that it can't be that way. And can I encourage you to actually be the carrier of this into your family? Uh, as you live life together, that over time, it can look a little bit more like this than it does now. That would change your life. It would change the lives of your family. It would be amazing. So I want you to, to, to be open as we keep talking about this and say like, hey, th- this is really about relationships with people that we are closest to. And we know that we can have a great impact on them. Uh, unfortunately, as we saw last week, sometimes that impact can go the negative way. We, we looked at the book of James and talked about the power of the tongue and how much damage can be done with the words that we're saying. And we also think that that can turn around, that can be different, that can be resurrected and, and turned into something that's good and can be life-giving. But really, the words that we're saying are coming from the heart. And that's where we have to do our work I'd encourage you, if you missed either of those sermons, go back and listen to those because that's really where we're launching from today. And it's where we're going to keep going as we're connected in this series. Well, I think we all have an idea of what our household should look like. We have these expectations of our home, how things should be run, all of this and more. And I ran into that uh, for really, I think, the first time but right before marriage. Katie and I were getting ready to get married. And there's just this seemingly innocuous day where you think, oh, nothing big is going to happen today. And I was wrong. I was eating a cookie. Okay. 
thought, hey, we're just eating a cookie. This is good. This is a good thing. And Katie looks at me and she's like, uh, can you get a napkin? I'm like, why? Why would I get a napkin? I'm just eating cookies. Uh, yeah, you're getting crumbs everywhere. I'm not getting crumbs everywhere. It's fine. No, just get it. Can you get a plate, get a napkin, get any of these things? No, I'm, I'm really, it's okay. It's just a cookie. It's fine. No, you're going to get crumbs everywhere. Katie, I can eat cookies without getting crumbs everywhere. No, Eric, you can't. There's a whole saying about cookies and crumbling. It's what they do. You're not going to be able to stop this. So you have the options. You can use a napkin, you can use a plate, you can eat over a trash can, or you can eat over the sink. Eat over the sink? Are you kidding me? Yes, this is how our house is going to run. Are you serious? You're going to take all the joy out of eating a cookie. I might as well not eat any cookies. Why am I going to eat any cookies now? Well, that would work too. You don't have to eat cookies at all. Either way, you, you must know that the crumbs are going to live on our tile, which, by the way, is the color of cookies. I'm not going to be able to see it. And then all the vermin are going to come in and be attracted to our home. Is that what you want? Does anyone want to guess what philosophy of eating cookies uh, is held high in our home today? Yeah. In humility, let me say that I'm now a champion of this way, this newfound way. And if you come over to my house and you eat cookies without doing one of these four things, I will judge you. I will judge you hard. Here, a little bit here, I won't say it, but know that it's there. This is the stuff of arguments. It can start so small. I mean, think about that. That was over seven years ago. <laughs> and we're still talking about it today. It can start so small and can just become a wildfire. But then when the big stuff hits, man, it gets out of control. Can we just be honest and say that we've hurt each other? We've hurt each other a lot. We need to be able to fess up to that. But I want you to know, too, that I think there's a reason why that happens. Because you might look at it and say, hey, well, the person over there, the person over there, they're not hurting me like you're hurting me. But the people that are closest to us, I think we see them as an extension of ourselves. And we hold them to a higher standard. We see them as really our own flesh. And so we want to be of the same, the same mind, the same heart. We, we want to say, hey, we're on the same team, aren't we? And so we get offended, we get hurt when that's not happening and it comes out the wrong way. But I want us to be open to that thought that there's actually maybe at the core of it, there's a deep love that we actually share. That's what just makes it difficult. Lastly, I want to say, I really think that we all want to be better versions of ourselves. I don't think we're okay with being the kind of people we are in those moments. Now, we might not fess up to it then, but I think that's the situation. And that's a good thing. But how do we become better versions of ourselves? How do we do it? When the, in the book of Colossians in chapter 3, the Apostle Paul launches into this. He launches into what it means to really follow Christ and how to do it well. So let me, let me pause and say, if you are not a follower of Christ yet, first of all, welcome. We're really glad that you're here. Uh, secondly, I, I want you to know that a transformation occurs when one begins to follow Christ. It's a spiritual transformation and their, their old heart, their old self, uh, which was dead because of sin, is made alive because of Christ and his transforming power and blood. They become a new creation. And you might say, Eric, I, I've met some Christians. Don't really seem like that to me. 
Know that there are immediate transformations that happen, and then over time, as one continues to follow Christ in their life, they will change over time and over time and over time. And so that's what we're talking about, really. It means that once you follow Christ, how do you keep doing that, and how does this flow out from you? How do we go about this whole thing? And so Paul is saying at the beginning, of chapter three, set your minds, set your hearts to Christ. Put them on him because Christ is your life. He is your life now. You're a new creation in him. And then he says, don't focus on the things that were of your old self. That's not you anymore, okay? You belong to Christ now. Those old things have passed away. They are dead. Focus on him. And that is where life can flow out from. And so that is the spot where we find our scripture today, uh, where Paul is launching into. And this is again in Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. Paul says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you that we get to hear your word and we get to receive your Holy Spirit. Would you speak to us? Be gracious to speak to us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there's a really great list here, and we could all look at that and say, compassion, gentleness, kindness, those are all amazing things. But there's one phrase that stands out. It's just, it's different. It's really different. And it's this phrase. It's bear with each other. Bear with each other. That's a whole different ballgame. Now, we need to recognize that in our culture, we don't use this word in the same way that Paul's using it. In fact, the word that we use a lot is the word bearable. When you think about bearable, what do you think about? You think, can I survive through it? Can I make it through to the other side? Am am I going to be okay? I personally think about roller coasters because those are the devil to me. They're an awful thing. And my nightmares are made up of roller coasters. So if you were to say, hey, Eric, you want to get on this roller coaster? I would more than likely say no. But in my mind, I would question, is it bearable? Is it bearable? Because some might actually be bearable. I might be able to survive through it. Most aren't. But that's what I think about. And is that exactly what you want to think about when you're, you're talking about a relationship? Especially those that are closest to you. Can I survive through it? Huh? Do you think I'm going to be okay? That's not what Paul was talking about. When he says bear with each other, you need to know that this is a deep, deep, deep love that's coming out into action. And not love that you and I originated but rather this is coming from the love of God. You see, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they share this amazing love. We read about this in John 15. They share this amazing love together. It's a beautiful thing, but they don't want to keep it to themselves. They have given it to us to share with them and to share with others, everyone we're coming into contact with. And when we use that love in a relationship, it ends up looking like bearing with one another. Okay, it's a constant thing that's happening. And, and what does that mean? That means that you, you know that the other person is sinful. 
You know that you yourself are sinful. You're not accepting their sin and saying, oh, that's great. Let's keep doing this. It's more like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand by you. We're going to get through this together. I am for you. And I know Jesus is too. And so we're going to keep working through this. We're going to keep loving each other so, so deeply through all of this. We're going to bear with one another. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's way more encouraging than saying, hey, that, that mess you're doing right now, yeah, I'm done with you. I'm going to throw you out. That doesn't work. That doesn't change lives. That doesn't honor God. But bearing with one another as Jesus has bared with us, that, that will change lives. That will change a family. In fact, in Proverbs 19.11, uh, we find this scripture. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. How beautiful is that? That wisdom is leading to patience with one another. And in that space, we can overlook the flaws that have been happening. It doesn't mean we're sweeping them under the rug. It means we know they're there, but we're not going to keep holding it against you, okay? We're we're, we're not going to hold it in our back pocket and just wait until we can throw it down on the table in front of you. We're not going to do that. We're going to bear with one another. And this is, this is our homework. This is a lot of stuff, right? This is, this is hard stuff, but it's how we fight well. So let me ask this question. Who are you fighting for? Who are you fighting for? In Matthew 18, 15, uh, we, we find Jesus really presenting this beautiful picture of what it means to deal with the hard stuff of relationships. And this is what Jesus says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, I, I need you to know, first of all, that in the original Greek here, it's, it's saying that the brother or sister has sinned against you, okay? That's not just that they sinned and you're holding them accountable. That's not the situation. The situation is they sinned against you. And so Jesus is saying, you go directly to them, not to that person, not to that person, but to them. And, and, and as you're going to them, you're not doing it out of rage, malice, anger, none of those things. You're doing it out of love. You're stepping towards them in love. And you're saying, hey, there's something between us. There's a block between us and we are not okay. And can we talk about this? Because I want to be reconciled to you again. I want things to be right again. So can we do this? And then Jesus says, if they listen, you have won them over. You've won them over. You have gained them. And that's a beautiful thing. And I don't know that we always look at it that way. But no, in that moment, if it goes south, you could lose that relationship or at least lose the possibility of a beautiful relationship. And Jesus is saying, hey, there's something to gain here. And I want you to remember that. So let me ask you again, who are you fighting for when you fight? Are you fighting for yourself? Because the person that Jesus described in this verse is not fighting for themselves. They're fighting for the relationship. And I'd even say they're fighting for the other person too. Because that other person hasn't made a move yet. I think they're fighting for them too. And that's a good thing because, listen, Jesus fought for us. He didn't fight for himself. In fact, we see in every single gospel, as Jesus is being handed over to the high priest, the, the servants of the high priest are grabbing him. And then Peter is like, well, bam! Bam! I'm going to cut that guy's ear off. Get 
out of my house. Not today. You are not taking my Lord down. That's what Peter does, which is really crazy. Can we just say that like with such precision that what was Peter's side job? Anyone wonder that? Anyway, so Jesus says, Peter, put your sword away. Calm down. Let me just like heal this guy's ear right quick and then we can talk again. And so he's saying to Peter, I don't need you to fight for me. I'm not fighting for me. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for this guy, definitely now. I'm fighting for everybody, but not for myself. I need you to remember that. I need you to let me do that. That's our Lord. And so as he was loving us through this, let me ask, how do we keep bearing with one another? How are we fighting for one another? Well, first, I'd say, let's be willing to face it. Let's be willing to talk about it. As you can hear earlier, my wife and I are both very hard-headed people, and that can get us into trouble sometimes. But it can also be a grace to us because we are not okay with not being okay. And that's the thing I want you to focus on. Don't don't become complacent with things just not being great. They can be better, especially as you keep going to one another to reconcile. So be willing to face it and do the hard work of what it means to put on Christ in Colossians 3. You're putting him on and that's worth it. And so I have three things for you that I want you to remember as you're going through this time together. The first thing is that uh, we all need preparation. We all need preparation when it comes to conflict. So here's what you need to know. We already prepare for conflict. In the moment when conflict happens, we could look back at what you've done and what you haven't done and how that's prepared you for this moment of conflict for better or for worse. If you know that you're already preparing for that and then it's just going to come out, whatever happens, happens. Why not prepare for it? Why not prepare to be a different kind of person in that moment? One that looks a whole lot more like Jesus and and way less like your old self. Because everyone prefers Jesus over us anyways. Why not? And so what does it mean to prepare? It's putting on Christ. It's setting your minds and your hearts on Christ constantly. It means that in order to follow Christ, you got to spend time with Christ. In order to be like Christ, you got to spend time with Christ. That's your preparation. And in that spot, you can then put on compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience and bind these things together and love and bear with one another. That's preparation. And from that point, from preparation, we can move into practice. You're not going to be great at this at the first time or the 50th time that you do it. In fact, I'd say that we're all going to be practicing at this until the day we die. And that's not a bad thing. It means that we're going to keep working of what it means to put on Christ, what it means to be Christ in relationships. And we're going to keep working on that from now until we die. And that's okay. And in fact, I would say that it gives us a place to have grace with one another. And if we're going to look back to this list of what family ought to be, number four is that life can start over again. It can be new again. And that means that Jesus is giving you new life. It means that others are are willing to allow you to grow as a person, and that, that life can be new again, and that even yourself, that you're giving yourself grace to grow. 
and you're saying, hey, I'm not going to be perfect at this, but I'm not going to give up on myself, on them, or on Jesus working through me. It takes preparation. It takes practice. And lastly, it takes preference. I have an old mentor who used to say this. He'd say, prefer the other. Prefer the other. And as a 22-year-old, I always wrestled, what does that, what does that even mean? And preferring the other means that you and I are, are, are bent towards ourselves when it comes to preference. We are going to prefer ourselves if we are just naturally walking through things. And you know what? That's not bad when it comes to survival. If you're hanging off a cliff, by all means, prefer yourself. That's a good option. But outside of survival techniques, it doesn't really work well in relationships. So let me say that if you're in an abusive or a dangerous situation, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Okay, I want to be clear. And, and God have mercy on your situation if you are. But if that's not the situation, I really think that preferring someone else in, in the relationship is the way to go. And, and why is that? It puts us in a spot where we can be empathetic towards the other person. We can see them truly as they are and, and even have the, the, the eyes and the mind, the heart of Christ towards them. We can look at them and be in a spot where we love them. And we're ready to bear with one another. We're ready to bear with each other through everything in life. If we show preference for them, and I want you to keep this in mind more than anything else, Jesus showed preference for us and it changed the world. Why would we not do that for each other? So it takes preparation, it takes practice, and it takes preference. In all these ways, if we keep working through this, we would learn to bear with one another and fight well, not for ourselves, but for each other and for God's kingdom to come down in our relationships, our families, and just go out and change the world from that spot. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, ah, we thank you. We thank you that you have uh, you have not left us alone to try to figure all of this out. And we're not just going to come up with our own ways of how to live life how to do it the best we can. Lord, it is, it is your way that is the best way. So Father, would you let these words of Colossians 3 just rain down upon us? And Lord, let it be good to our soul and that it would come out into action, Lord, that these things, compassion, kindness, bearing with one another, will come out onto those around us, Lord, that you would be glorified through it. Jesus, have your way with our lives in your name. Amen.